Welcome back to the Becoming the One podcast. I'm your host, Christina Abood. I'm a licensed clinical therapist and dating and relationship coach obsessed with helping you to unleash your inner magic, up-level your dating life and relationship, and create that epic, juicy love that you've been waiting for. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for pressing play. So let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, to the Becoming the One podcast. I have the amazing, the one and only, Christelle Arcucci, and she is here to talk to us all about how to have better sex. Christelle, say hi. Hello. So happy to be here with you, Christina. I'm so excited for this juicy conversation. So I'd love for you first to just share a little bit about yourself. I have been working in the healing arts for over 30 years, and I started my own personal journey of healing and personal development when I was a child. And then when I became a teenager, I was like, oh, I can help other people with all of these things that I have learned personally. So of course, my work has evolved over many years. And the focus of it is really focusing on supporting women to embody soul purpose, to enjoy sensual freedom and create wealth in her life without apology. That is an amazing mission. And so let's jump right in. Let's talk about how do we have better sex? Because we all, we all want that, right? So where, where do we start with having better sex in our lives? From my perspective and in my work, it starts with how comfortable a woman feels in her own skin. And the part of that that's gotten hijacked comes from our conditioning as, and I'm speaking from my perspective and my experience. I grew up in the U.S. I'm a woman. So I'm speaking about from that perspective. And that's the majority of the clients that I work with. And so we are conditioned as girls to be focused on how we look, not necessarily how we feel. And that is the first thing to shift, to transform, to become comfortable in our own skin. Because it's a multi, multi billion dollar industry per year to make women feel not good enough with all the skin creams, with all the diets, with all the latest fashion. And I'm not opposed to any of those things, except when it's coming from a place of making women feel more insecure. So we have to buy the latest thing or do the latest diet or take the pill or whatever. Instead of coming from a place of deep connection of what skincare products do I love that feel delicious on my skin? What outfits make me feel the most radiant? Those are two totally different things, right? They're still purchasing products, but if it's coming from the dominant model out there of playing into women's insecurities, yuck. So the first thing to me is supporting a woman to move out of the stories that we've been programmed to believe that we're not good enough or we're too much and moving into our sensual bodies, giving ourselves permission to feel good in our own skin, no matter what our shape is, no matter what our age is, no matter what has happened. Can I land in my body, in my skin, and feel good 
And, and then the next part of that is really giving myself permission to let people see me feel good. Something that was coming up for me when you were talking was around like shame and how much shame that women feel around sex and like even just being like a sexual human being. Yes. Do you see that in your work? Yes, absolutely. And it comes from the dominant culture, which comes from one of the dominant religions in the U.S. And again, I'm speaking from a place. I mean, I have clients all over the world, but even the dominant religious perspective in the U.S. is women are the cause of the fall of man. And so that being a huge driver in women's shame, then it's like there's, no, there's nothing you can do to be allowed to be sensual unless you're willing to face that beast and be like, no thanks. And reclaim our primal bodies, our sensual natures. From my perspective, God and the goddess both want us to enjoy being human. That's the point. But the dominant models out there, religious and even spiritual teachings, are transcendent models. You're allowed to feel good when you get to heaven. Instead of the point is, I have this amazing human body and this human experience to enjoy life. Not only the good things, but the devastation and the heartbreak and all of it. And of course, th those are big things that I'm speaking about, right? Like religious context, programming, you know, these are big aspects of it. Yet it, it's important to address those shadows in order to support a woman in creating sensual freedom. They are such big topics, but they really have influenced how we approach sex and, and dating and relationships and even marriage. How do you feel like the shame that we feel around sex and like being in our body impacts dating and relationships? Well, let's actually start with dating first. How do you feel like it impacts dating? Again, as women, we've been conditioned to look for validation and approval from the outside. We've also been trained to give our power away to men that they somehow know better than us and they can give us permission to be sexual, but not too sexual and only sexual in the ways that they want, which isn't coming from the inside out. So the first thing is to recognize the ways that we have been trained to outsource our power, to outsource our sexuality, and to come back in to say, this is what I've been taught, but what do I want to believe? And to come to terms with that, you know, I'm not saying someone needs to, to leave their religion in order to have good sex, but part of it is recognize the beliefs that you have about your sexuality, about your body, about what you're allowed to do to heal the unconscious beliefs in order to be as free as possible in the life you want to live. And your yeah. experience of dating and sex, right? Yeah, it almost sounds like coming into a more like authentic version of yourself and really figuring out like what is it that you want and what, you know, turns you on and gets you excited versus the other person. Yes. And starting there. Yes. And keeping in mind that 
that it's going to be a process. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm reclaiming my power and now I'm a fully sexually liberated woman. <laughs> as nice as that sounds, it's a process. And so to me, the first thing is a woman discovering her desire and naming it and saying, I want to have a meaningful, sensual relationship with myself to allow myself to be a sexual woman in a way that I can fully embody and feel good about, and then to bring that into relationship with someone else. Because I think the problem that most women make is they, they're like, I'm going to find my sexuality while I'm dating or with my partner. He is going to be, the, and that's again part of the programming. So part of it is to be like, what is the experience that you want to have, naming it. I want to feel good in my skin. I want to enjoy sex in whatever context that each woman creates, right? I don't think that there's a one size fits all anything. So it's really a woman coming into her own desire for what she wants to experience, giving herself permission for that, finding it in her own relationship with herself before engaging with someone else. And this work can, of course, be done even if you're in a long-term partnership, right? At any time, you can be like, how do I feel in my own skin? How do I feel with my own sexuality? And that can be shifted no matter where you are in relationship, partnership or not. I see that so much with clients who are even in long-term relationships where we actually have to have that conversation of like, are you spending time with yourself rather than just with your partner? and discovering what you really want. And I say to people too that you can explore yourself and like make it a party, like make it good. Yeah. Because the more you know yourself, then your partner is going to be even more excited to join the party. It's going to make it even better. Yes, absolutely. I so agree that if a woman doesn't know which turns her on, there is no way she can communicate that to somebody else. And it's part of the conditioning. Again, I think that we're raised this way to think that somebody else has the answers for us, but instead to be like, I know exactly what turns me on and I'm excited to ask my partner for it. And to play in that instead of, you know, and shame is a big part to move through, to be with, to be able to self-pleasure, for that to be a practice. And there's so many sw small ways that I encourage women to do this. It's like washing your face, bathing, putting lotion on your skin, getting dressed, eating food. These are all sensual experiences, but most often they are not done in a self-pleasuring type of way. They're not enjoyed. They're like, okay, got to get this done so that I can take the kids to school or do the thing or get to work or whatever. But it's making these small everyday actions a sensual practice because just jumping to I'm going to learn how to give myself an off the charts orgasm is a huge leap if a woman is super dissociated and disconnected from her own body and doesn't even know what she likes. It almost feels like when you were talking like this like romanticized like you know version of you like yes. actually just like enjoying your body like touching yourself which sounds so funny to say but it's true like how often do you actually like touch your body 
You know, it, it's not very often. Yes. Touch your, your body in a way that you are actually feeling it and you're doing it to feel good. Right? Yeah. Like being present in your body. Yes. Yes. And so start with the small ways, which is everyday self-grooming, eating, drinking. Those are all things that if you slow down, you move from doing to being, which is to me the root cause of so much of why women are not feeling good and not getting what they want in life is that we're stuck in doing and we're not in the marriage of both, of being and doing, really being in what I'm doing. So much of our time as women is spent in our heads instead of really connecting to ourselves and in our body. Yes. And also the to-do list, the endless to-do list of I got to do the laundry and I got to sweep the floor and I got to pick up this and I got to do that. (sighs) It makes me feel stressed just saying it like that. Yeah, it makes us so disconnected in to who we really are. It's almost like we lose touch with ourselves when we're just spending all this time in our head. Yes, exactly. And so those basic practices of coming back into our being, to me, is the key to learning myself, learning my own body, learning my own desires, exploring what I like and what I enjoy in my own experience so that when I bring somebody else into the mix, I stay connected to me instead of the people-pleasing, caretaking that women often are really good at doing. I can't remember where I heard this. Oh, it was such a long time ago. But I remember someone saying, like, you are responsible for your own orgasm. And I thought that was such a powerful thing to say. And they were kind of talking about that, that like, you know, when you're going into this experience with a partner, like it is about like exploring yourself and knowing what you want, being able to ask for it. And like, not that like you have to give yourself that, but just knowing that like you are also bringing something to the table to make this experience really good. Right. I know my friends are always shocked when I say that I don't date men who aren't good lovers. And they're like, well, how do you know who's a good lover? And I'm like, this isn't common knowledge. (laughs) It's so easy to, to know that. But also part of it is I am very good at knowing what I want and asking for what I want. And so to be really obvious about it, it's like, I don't have sex that I don't have multiple orgasms. Like, it just doesn't happen. How many clients are like, they never orgasm or they rarely orgasm. And it's part of that is a woman knowing her own body, knowing what she wants, being willing to ask for what she wants, and being able to receive and enjoy what she wants, which all of those things are completely opposed to the conditioning. How do we go from being in our heads to our bodies? Like, what are some more ways? Because what you're saying sounds amazing. And I know that a lot of people want to experience that. And I feel like that's what it's really about is like just getting from your head into your body and being present in the moment to enjoy either like being with yourself or with your partner. The main practices I encourage my clients to work on are breath, movement, sound, 
and touch. Those are always available, no matter where you are. But most of us are not breathing, especially when we're stressed. We're like really shallow breathing, moving the body in sensual ways. Again, when we're only in our head, we hold so much tension and there's lack of movement. And it doesn't have to be some expressive modern dance thing, you know, but simply like swaying or moving your hips or rolling your wrists or touching your own hair or doing the things you know you like to yourself and feeling them. Sounding. Like if you're, you're about to eat something that's delicious, would you let yourself go, mm-hmm. No, most women won't because we've been conditioned to be good girls and be quiet and be seen and not heard, blah, 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 all these things. So these simple practices of breath, movement, sound, and first self-touch, and then touching others from a deeply connected place, those are the four core practices to start with. And again, doing them on a daily basis that are not, not sexual at first. They can be depending upon where you are in your practice, but getting to the place of really enjoying being in your body and being able to move beyond the stories that are in our minds, right? Like for me, aging is part of the, the, the story that I am actively retraining my brain about about how my skin is changing, about how my body is changing, about how the color of my hair is changing. And noticing the story that culture tells me and being like, "Mm, no thanks, right? It's like if somebody knocked at the door and was like, hi, I'd like to sell you misery in the form of being feeling bad about aging. And I'm like, no thanks. And I close the door and I go back to my own experience of what does aging feel like to me? What do I want my story to be? But that takes a high level of consciousness to recognize the beliefs, the stories, the conditioning, and to actively have clear boundaries with them to be like, no, thanks. I don't want that version. I'm going to create my own. That's a huge thing that I work with clients on is just changing the narrative. And it's funny because it seems so simple, but it's really true. Like if you just make the choice to be like, nope, I'm not going to accept that story or you know this negative thought that's not supportive of you and change it to what you really want to believe it is actually life-changing it is life-changing and it also moves us from a place of being only from the neck up only in the mind to an integrated place of mind body and heart because like the mind is not bad but if the mind is just running your life on an old story that you don't want no thanks, right? It's that practice of breathing, moving, sounding, excuse me, connecting with my heart, connecting with my body so that I am using my mind to consciously choose what I'm experiencing, what I'm creating, what stories I'm willing to believe or buy into. Yes. As you were talking, I thought of a new thing for you that I think you should start going by because (laughs) this sounds to me Like you are the sensual mindfulness whisperer. Like it just, that's what it's like. It feels like mindfulness, but it's like so sensual. And the way you describe it, I added the the whisperer part, but that's what it feels like to me. Just like this really sensual mindfulness. 
I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. And thank you for giving me that name for sure. I'm <laughs> going to take that with me. <laughs> You're so welcome. You heard it here first. <laughs> yes. So how do we get comfortable in our bodies? Because I know that for a long time for myself, I felt really uncomfortable with sharing my body, my body with a partner. And I know this comes up a lot for my clients where they're dating, they're getting with someone new and they're, and they're just getting into that in their relationship, or maybe they've even been in a long-term relationship and they're still feeling really uncomfortable in their body. Like any advice you would give to those people? Like, how do you get comfortable? The first step of it is rec- is doing what I would call shadow work, is naming the stories, the beliefs that you are holding as true, right? Like for me, going with the example I already gave, I am the story, the unconscious story, I'm less valuable because my skin isn't as useful as it used to be. I look old. I look, I am no longer valuable. Right? These are all beliefs that like are huge in our culture. And so it could be about so many things. I had children and now my, my stomach is, isn't as flat as it used to be. My hips are wider than I want them to be. I'm not thin enough, tall enough, dark enough, white enough, right? Like there's, there's a bajillion of them. So picking one to say, what is the story that I am having a hard time releasing? Name it. Say it out loud. If you really want to take this practice to the next level, say it out loud to yourself while you're looking in the mirror at yourself naked. To, to say the beliefs, then say what you want to experience. I love this skin that is wise and holding the wisdom of my years. And to look at myself and touch myself and breathe and speak this truth into my being. So it's different than affirmations in that affirmations from my experience often just repeat a phrase in the mind. If it's mind only, it's not going to shift the beliefs. So it's looking for that place of integration, mind, heart, and body. And it can be a struggle at first to look at yourself in the mirror and say these things and to look in the mirror and say, I love my body. Yet if you're not there yet, don't say, I love this body. I love my, my wrinkly skin. But to say, I want to. I deeply want to feel how much I love and respect my life experience and the legacy that I'm living. And by saying in that way and looking in my own eyes, looking in the mirror, often the first time practicing this, whether you have clothes on or clothes off, clothes off is more advanced. But often, you know, if you're wanting to have a lover, to have a partner that you share your body with, the medicine is, can you be comfortable with yourself naked? Can you look at yourself and hear the stories, the blah, 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 mean girl stories that are in your brain and go, no, close the door and say, no, have boundaries with those stories and say, I want to feel confident in my skin. I want to feel comfortable in my body. I want to love these breasts. I want to love my belly. I want to love the color of my hair. I want to love the wrinkles in my skin. 
And to be in that experience of integrated mind, heart, and body. Mirror work is so powerful. Super powerful. And you're right. It is hard at first. It's something that I've done myself and I often assign to my clients, especially when they are struggling with the way that their body looks and how it's changing over time. And they do report to me. And as I experience that, it's really hard that first couple of times you have to stand there and just look at yourself. Yes. But it gets way easier and you do become more comfortable. And it's almost like, you know, it's like when I first started the podcast and I was listening to my voice. And, you know, I added all my own episodes. And so I had to hear myself for a long time. And that's really hard for people with their voice. A lot of people say that I don't like hearing myself talk. And I didn't at first, but it's almost like the more I listened to it, the more I started to love it. Yes. Because yeah. I had to, like it was there, right? Like I had to listen to it. It's the same thing, I think, with the mirror work where you stand there and at first it's like, oh, I, I don't know about this. And then you just keep doing it and you just slowly start to love what you're seeing yes and it's making sure that if all you're hearing is the mean girl stories in your brain you're only in your head you're not experiencing your heart and and your body mirror work gets easier the more you practice i do mirror work naked in front of the mirror generally four times a day minimum twice first thing in the morning and now it's literally a dance party where I am doing all of the practice that I spoke about. I'm moving, I'm breathing, I'm sounding, I'm touching myself. That is how I start and end every day. And then if I have time before and after my shower as well in the day. So that would be four times. Yet a minimum of two times a day, I am literally watching myself be in my body and loving on myself. And now it's like, if I forget, which I rarely do, it's like I forgot to get dressed or something, you know, like it's so clear that something is missing that's so important and vital to my own health as a woman and as a sensual sexual being. That's amazing and so impressive that you're doing so much. It's funny because actually when I walk by mirrors, I've also now gotten a routine where like I'll say something nice to myself and it really helps. It does. It does. And like you said, the more you practice, the easier it gets. And we see mirrors so often. And unfortunately, if you're not conscious, what happens is the mean girl shows up to say, oh, that outfit doesn't look good on you or you're having a bad hair day or whatever. No, have clear boundaries with the mean girl and learn to see what's beautiful, which is what is so interesting in one of the beautiful differences between men and women is Women see what's not there in general, and men see what's there, which is something important to keep in mind if you are dating or in relationship with men, that we think they're looking at whatever is wrong about us. And most often, they don't even see those things. They don't even register in their brains. And we can't imagine how that could be true. My gosh, I love that you've said that because you're so right. We're always in our head about when we're, you know, about to have sex with somebody or, you know, whether it's new or even a partner we've been with. And we're like, oh, they're noticing this thing about us, but they're not noticing. They're just there to enjoy you. Exactly. Enjoy the sensual experience. And, and it's like, 
I didn't shave my legs or whatever the thing is, we feel like we want to apologize instead of being present, being in our bodies, breathing, moving, sounding, enjoying. That changes everything. And the more you practice, the easier it is. Having sex, in my opinion, is a high stakes situation. If you haven't practiced these things in other areas, it's like expecting to run a marathon off the couch, being like, I haven't trained, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's really challenging. So it's taking those everyday opportunities to change your relationship with yourself so that you are being in your sensual body. You are learning to enjoy your body. It's not saying you're not going to have negative thoughts about yourself, but it's also not letting those voices run your life or ruin an experience that could be delightful. Yeah, that's so true. I like that example about the marathon because you have to train. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially because our conditioning has taught us to be disconnected from our bodies and that we're not good enough in all the ways. When we get to a place of figuring out what it is that we want, that we're more in touch with our bodies, how do we start communicating that with a partner, whether it's someone new or someone that we've been with? Practice in the mirror, first of all. And part of it is you have to know what you want to ask for before you're like, I'm going to be in this conversation and ask for what I want. Be like, whoops, I don't even know what I want. So going back to the mirror and actually saying it out loud. If some people are, if you're a journaler, write it down. Journal, do journaling practice about, these are the things I really want to explore in my own sexuality. These are the things that I've wanted to ask my partner for, but haven't had confidence to. These are the things that I didn't do in my last relationship that I really want to do differently in my next relationship. So it's getting clear on what those things are and then ranking them. Like the easiest to ask for, will you hold my hand? Pretty low stakes. Will you have sex with me in a certain location or, you know, a higher stakes thing? Don't start there. Like start with, will you hold my hand? Will you pull my hair? Will you, like these things that are like take baby steps, right? Again, if you're training for a marathon, you're not going to be like, all right, I'm going to run 20 miles on the first thing. It's like, pick the small thing. Can I sit on your lap? Can you hug me for two minutes straight? Can, like asking for things that are lower stakes. And that can also be, Things that are not sexual. Because again, it's like if you're going to be like, I'm going to ask for these things I've never even admit to myself I wanted, it's going to be much harder to do than to say, actually, I don't want pizza tonight. I really want Thai food. That is part of the practice of moving out of people pleaser caretaker into our own desire and asking for what we want and do it in the lower stakes thing. Although, if you're newer to this practice, your brain is going to be like, red alert, red alert, just be a people pleaser. <laughs> right? Just go along with whatever he says, especially early in dating. And my perspective is be who you are from the start. Don't put on best behavior because it's not real. It's not who you really are. It's not the relationship you really want. And I wouldn't recommend doing what I do, which is go to the opposite extreme. 
<laughs> where I like turn on the fire hose and I'm like, you don't like that? Okay, great. Next. So be who you are. Ask for what you want in the small thing. And then would... increase the challenge level from there. I love that. I agree. And I would say even if you're single to start in all the areas of your life, like to start using your voice and gain that confidence and asking for what you want. Yes, exactly. And not apologizing if something isn't a good match. There's currently 8 billion people on the planet and operating from a scarcity mindset of like, I've, I have to make it work with this guy. No, you don't. You are allowed to discover what you want, ask for what you want, enjoy what you want, receive what you want. And it starts from the very beginning of dating. If you're on a dating app, something doesn't feel right. Don't let your people please or run the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And just being, like you said, like real about who you are and what you want, that sets up the relationship to have open communication and honesty exactly. from the beginning. Yes. And I think that navigating conflict is the most important indicator of the health and length of a relationship. People are like, I want chemistry. I want to have things in common. I want to be connected. And I'm like, if you cannot navigate conflict with this person, you aren't going to make it. And so being willing to ask for what you want and to have the person not want to give it to you or that it creates a conflict, in my opinion, I would rather find out those misalignments early sooner than later than six or nine months in or a year into a relationship where then you're much more tangled. It's like, being real from the beginning, being willing to be clear about your desires and trusting that you get to have the kind of relationship that you desire. Of course, you're a collaborator. We have to do the work on ourselves in order to be able to be met in that regard. Yes. And sex is such an important part of a relationship. And I do think that a lot of people almost like deprioritize it where they think, oh, like it's not where I want it to be. Like I'll be okay. But then I see those couples coming into my office and, you know, years down the road and that's what they want to talk about because they never did. I mean, I've had people who are together for you know 15 years come in and say, I've, we've never talked about sex. Right. Right. And the amount of people who are in sexless marriages or sexless relationships is to me is so sad so sad and so part of it is being so being so honest about what you want but then doing the work to be in relationship with ourselves and our partner and the relationship right it's like to me relationships are three parts it's me my partner and the third part is the relationship itself and especially when you bring kids into the mix it gets even more difficult to pay attention to those things because the kids always seem to come first. Yet you can do that. Take time for yourself, take time for your partner and feed, nourish the relationship and what you desire and know that it's going to change. It's, it's going to change over time. Like there are times where I don't like myself. I'm like, get away from me. That's going to be natural in a partnership as well. And knowing that that is part of it is having times of deep connection and also having times of separation and freedom. And I don't mean separation like we're moving out, but 
time of being alone or walking your own path for a little while, like that's part of it, of creating a healthy relationship. It absolutely is. I love that you said that with the the three relationships. I've never heard anyone else besides myself say that, but I, I do often because a lot of people think when they come into a relationship, it's almost like this enmeshment, right? Where they lose themselves in it. And I explained to them that it there's three relationships here. Like there is you and you have to prioritize that and the relationship and the other person. There's a lot going on here and you are still your own person and you have to prioritize yourself in order for this relationship to make it in the long haul. Yes. And I think that that enmeshment or codependency, whatever you want to call it, is where people lose attraction. Right. Because is. there isn't. I have my own life. You have your own life. We come together and co-create together by choice and not just from convenience. That's where people become just become roommates, right? We, I get disconnected from myself. I get disconnected from my partner. And then it's just going through the motions, which is disconnected from the central experience of my own life, of the potential of the ongoing exploration and depth of personal development and embodied love that is possible in a long-term relationship. Co-creating is the key, that it really is a choice and you're coming together with this other person because things are not always going to be easy. You know, you're going to go through hard things in life personally and, you know, if you have a family, the other person might be going through something, but it's a choice to show up every day and give and nourish the relationship and nourish yourself. Yes. Yes. And that part is the biggest thing for women to remember, especially even more so for moms, is that fill your own cup, put your own oxygen mask on yourself. And I know that those things are talked about a lot. And the things that I encourage women to start with is bathing, clothing yourself, feeding yourself, because you do those things every single day. So if you can make those practices deeply connected, and enjoyable, then even if you're eating your sandwich while you're waiting to pick the kids up from the soccer practice, you're still actually integrated body, mind, and heart instead of, you know, only neck up going through the motions of life and not enjoying it. How can you enjoy the life that you're already having? How can you enjoy the body that you're in? How can you integrate mind, heart, and body into everything you do, or as much as possible, even if you go from not being connected to your body 99% of the day, if you move up to 10%, that's going to be a big shift. That's such a beautiful way to look at it. And for people to not feel like they have to change a lot of things in their life, because I know, at least when I'm overwhelmed, and I think this is true for a lot of people, that like someone telling us something that we need to add feels like a lot, even if it's not. Right. And so just doing it already within your routine and the natural things that are happening feels yes. doable. Good, good. Because yes, going to the spa and having a spa weekend, beautiful thing, but it's more powerful that you spend 10% of your day, even 5% of your day, really connecting to your body when you're dressing yourself, when you're getting ready for your day, when you're feeding yourself or drinking water, you're really doing those things is going to change the core fabric of your life, which is going to make when you go to the spa that much more enjoyable. 
And I think people often put that kind of pressure on their sex life. Like I have to get this, this experience of ecstasy during sex when I'm completely disconnected from my body and can't get out of my head to be able to have sex. But if you have these daily practices of creating sensual wealth, then sex is going to be that much more delicious. I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about how to set boundaries within sex. When we first start dating someone, it can feel like a little awkward or hard to like talk about this and set those boundaries. So what would you say are some good ways that people can do that? Practice saying no to anything. And again, it's like, how can you de-escalate the intensity? Practice saying no. When a friend calls and is just like, oh my gosh, I'm having a crisis with my partner. Can you talk right now? No, I can't. I love you. I'll call you tomorrow. You know, whatever the ways are, learn to say no. And if you can't imagine, I mean, part of it is our brains don't know the difference between real and imagined. So if you can't imagine doing that, then practice saying no in your head. Somebody asked you to do something yesterday. You said yes, even though you didn't want to. Now you feel resentful. Pretend, go back in your mind and say, how could I have been honest? Said no and actually say no how you would want to. Then you can do the same thing in practicing saying no during sex. Let's use an example. A real life example that women often face in early dating. The man says, I want to have sex without a condom. No, that is not okay. I am not open to having sex without a condom. If that is my truth, right? For me, if a man said that, you know, and we're talking like this is like the sleazy version of man, right? Like we're good men won't do this. <laughs> But wait, you know, depending upon your age, you probably have had this experience once, if not more than once, of a man trying to convince you to have unprotected sex. So what do you say? Practice saying it when there's no stakes. Or, you know, what are the things that a man might ask me? You know, we've been on five dates. I feel like he's going to ask me if I want to have sex now. My answer is no. What do I want to say? I really enjoy getting to know you. I've enjoyed our dates so much. I'm not ready for sex yet. So what can we explore instead? I love that. And if they say, no, I want to have sex, then you know it's time to move on because they're not respecting you. Exactly. Exactly. So... Part of it, again, comes back to practicing. Like, even in what I just said, I didn't say no. So, because part of it, again, where, you know, sex gets involved, then there can be some safety issues with somebody that you don't know very well. And so part of it is like, have those conversations in a public place rather than in their bedroom. It's, of course, a good plan, but that's another topic for another day. But it's practicing saying, this is what I enjoy and this is what I desire and I'm not ready for that. 
Yeah. And it's like practicing the boundaries outside of sex first yeah. so that you can get comfortable saying them when you are in that situation. And it's not just around sex, but like even in your life, you know, just like practicing that and learning how to set them so that when you are in the high stakes situation, yeah. you feel confident in doing it. Exactly. And it's, again, as women, we're conditioned to be people pleasers, to say yes to everything, to overgive. So it's all of those small ways. And then to actually, it's like martial arts training is like, what would I say in that high stakes situation and actually practice saying it, looking in the mirror and practicing saying it, going back and imagining a challenging or negative experience you've had in the past, replay it in your mind and say, I wish I would say, blah, 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 blah. And to actually practice it because that creates new neural pathways in your brain. If you go back into those experiences and say what you would say now, it makes that available in your mind. So if that ever happened again, you would it would be easier for you to say no or to say this is not okay or to say whatever it is that you want in the moment. Yes, that's such great advice to start doing that. And I think it really lends too into what you're saying or like connecting with your body because when you're more in tune with yourself and you've like deepened this awareness with yourself and your body, that when you're in that position, you're going to just feel more confident. Yes. You know, because you're in tune. You're not in your head. There's not all this anxiety and, and overwhelm about the situation. Right. And then creating whatever parameters in your own mind to also protect you from your own wounding. <laughs> right. Because that plays a a role in especially early dating is like, I am not going to have sex with a man or I'm not going to go any place that is not public with a man in the first 10 dates or whatever the number is that, you know, no judgment, but choosing that and then managing that in yourself, because often there can be crazy off the hook chemistry with the wrong people. Yes, that's anxiety. That's not chemistry. Exactly. Or that's like wounding, shadow, you know, trauma bonding yeah. or whatever that just is like, yeah, it's chemistry, but is that the kind of chemistry you want to be diving into? So part of it is like setting whatever the parameters are for yourself so that there is a depth of real connection and also... Say no to a man before you're naked in bed with him and see how he responds, right? Like I am, part of this comes natural to me. I'm not sure why I'm wired this way, but there are things that I do in early dating, dating and in sexual relationships that come supernatural to me. Supernatural, it's not what I meant. But they come naturally to me that are like, Seeing what happens when I say to a man, when I say no to a man, long before it's a high stakes situation, because saying no the first time I'm naked in bed with a man is a high stakes situation. I love when you're talking about setting the boundaries within yourself before you even go on dates so that you know where your line is. And I really feel like having those and knowing your boundaries makes you so much more confident to actually say them. Because you yes. know where the line is. So even exactly. if you have that chemistry, like you're able to be more rational, right? You not get carried away by the emotions as much as if right. you didn't have them already set. 
Exactly. And then it's easier to recognize, like, say, for example, like, okay, I'm not going to have sex with anybody I haven't been dating seriously for three months. If that's my limit, if the man starts pressuring me at week 10, I'm out, right? If I'm looking for a long-term partner and all of a sudden he's laying on a guilt trip and playing into the, I'm like, good to know. I'd ra- I'm exiting now. Thank you very much. So setting our internal markers without apology and then being able to look at it from an objective place to say, is this the kind of experience I want to have in a long-term partnership? A man who overrides my desire and safety because he wants something? Is that what I want in a partner? No. <laughs> no. That's so powerful. I agree. Yes. We have to think about that because sometimes emotions, you know, I, I've been there where they're just taking over and I have totally lost sight of that, right? That like, these are red flags. And I see that with clients as well. Like when they're in those moments, it's like all the the rational part of our brain is just completely turned off because we're so like into this person Like you know, you said like there's so much chemistry and it can really blind us to someone doing that, pressuring us into sex, not taking no for an answer. And if someone's not respecting your boundaries, that's a huge red flag. A huge red flag for ourselves about ourselves as well. You know, that it's like, if we keep going back, what is that saying about the healing we need to do to say, I deserve a healthy, secure partnership. Yes. And not codependency or people-pleasing or bending myself into what I think a man wants from me. I deserve to have a healthy, supportive, loving, sexual, sensual, right? To give ourselves permission to want that and then to do what's needed to create it. We all deserve that. Yes, we do. We should all, yeah, we should all have that. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, Thank you so much for coming on today. This has been such an amazing conversation, such a juicy conversation. Where can my followers find you at? You can find me on social media, Christelle Arcucci. I'm sure you'll have in the show notes how to spell both of my names because neither one of them are easy. You can also check out my podcast, which is currently being rebranded called the Desire Sessions podcast. So you can find me on all the podcasting platforms with that too. I will definitely put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. 